Hello, everyone. I'm Corey, and we're talking manpower. Today, we're continuing our conversation with Mr. Jay Aronowitz. He's a retired SES and the former Deputy Assistant Chief of Staff G1 for Civilian Personnel. Mr. Aronowitz, thank you again for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Corey. So it seems to me that, you know, you've done positions in the Comptroll and Manpower Force Management and HR. So when you look back in, in your career and, and, as, and as, as, as a much younger person, you know, was being an SES in the federal government something that, that, that you walked in day one and said, I want to do this? Or did it kind of just happen, you know, during the course of your career? Or is that something you set out long-term goal when you, when you walked in day one? Well, it, it was um, probably a, a, about the um, fifth year of federal service that I, I said, gee, I, I'm, I'm going to make a career of this. Uh, I'm going to stay a federal employee. Because when I came in, um, no one in my family um, had, had ever worked for the federal government. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to say that, you know, there was no aspirations or, or, or anything like that. Um, but when I first came in, no, I mean, I didn't know that much about the federal government, as I mentioned, you know, um, our onboarding, you know, uh, 30 years ago was horrible. <laughs> uh, we didn't have ACTEDS plans. Um, and, and so no one sat down uh, with me in the first few years of my career and said, you know, Jay, what do you want to do? Where do you see yourself three to five, seven to ten years from now? And this is what you're going to need to do to get it. I mean, again, we, we, we provide a career of some fantastic tools uh, today to allow them to really um, shoot for as high as they want to go in their career, and, and so they'll, they'll know what they need to do. Um, there were no um, SES billets in, in CP26, um, again, up until, you know, around, around 2010 or so. So um, I can't say that I aspired to, to, to be an SES. Uh, I know that I wanted to go as far as I could. Um, I knew that if I wanted to, to um, be at the 1415 level, um, that the opportunities were here in, in the D.C. area. Um, and so I spent the last, uh, the last few years here in, in Washington. Um, and then when the opportunity um, came up to apply for an SES billet, um, I decided to, to put, my, uh, put my name in, in the hat, so to speak. Um, you know, there's a lot of administrative uh, work that you've got to do in preparation to applying for SES positions. Um, but, uh, but again, um, you know, everyone, everyone should aspire to, uh, to as high as they desire to be. Well, in your opinion, what, what's the role of a manpower analyst in the Army? Um, well, you know, the, 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 key, um, the key role that, that manpower analysts uh, provide um, is information and analysis to, to leaders at whatever level they're at, unbiased information and, and analysis to help those leaders make uh, informed resource decisions. Um, you know, there, there are nine functionaries within NCP 26, and, and whether you're dealing with equipment or organizational structure or manpower requirements, um, it really is about information and, and, and analysis and really providing um, leaders um, courses of action, um, you know, pros, cons, uh, risk assessment, uh, and then um, ha having the leaders make um, informed decisions based on that, plus other information that they'll get. So you recently spoke to uh, 
some interns at the CP26 orientation, the intern orientation. Why was it important for you um, to come and speak to these interns, even even though now that you're you're retired? Well, um, you know, as I, I as I've mentioned to, to to others, when you get to uh, to this uh, point in, in in your life, it really is about giving back. And and again, I mentioned that um, uh, there was a real paucity of of tools that were out there when I came in into federal government. And so, um, as I talked to the in, intern um, group, um, and I talked to other groups outside of Army, um, first of all, it's important to understand. Uh, that there are tools available. Um, what you know, what tools uh, are where to go to, to, to find these tools, um, and then you know the, the other things that I've talked to the group about are uh, things that that really are going to help their career move forward. What are some of the intangible things that they need to be uh, aware of? What's really important in, in the federal government? Um, I know a lot of them um, are veterans. Um, and so um, they probably have uh, a few years to, to many years uh, coming up through the military uh, system. Um, and it is a little bit different uh, on the civilian side. I mean, we all are supporting soldiers. We all are supporting families. Uh, we're trying to make our installations as best as possible for both the soldiers, the civilian, or the family members and the civilians that, that are working there. Uh, but to let them know on the civilian side, um, What's important? What are those those um, intangibles that they are really going to have to uh, master in order to uh, move forward in their career? Um, and then, what are the attributes um, of, of being a good leader? So, uh, you've touched on this a little earlier, but you know, you we talked about you having positions as a comp troll and as a manpower analyst and as an HR guy. Um, how did those positions kind of prepare you? Um, in conjunction with you know the leaders that you talked about that gone to the war college and things like that, um, and having been exposed very early on to these leaders, how did those, how did all that kind of prepare you to be an SES? Uh, that's a great question, Corey. Um, what it uh, really helped me understand is that um, whatever issue that you're going to uh, be involved in, and again, whether it's at the installation level, Army Command level, uh, Army Service. Com- component command level, or headquarters DA, um, is that there are always going to be many stakeholders. Um, and these stakeholders um, have, first of all, a different view of your world, whether it's manpower or personnel or resource management, financial management. Um, and so as I've moved across um, both CP2611, you know, CP10 with, uh, with personnel, uh, it's given me... Um, it's afforded me the opportunity to understand the different viewpoints of these different communities. And at the end of the day, we've got to all work together uh, to solve some, some pretty complex problems. Um, and as I moved up in, in my career, um, it really was about working with these other individuals and these other functional communities to really get to a win-win, where everyone could feel that they've contributed to, to solving a, a problem um, and that their interests are represented in whatever that outcome may be. Do you think having had these positions, um, you know, as HR, as a comptroller, as a manpower analyst, they gave you, you know, obviously a wider purview, but do you think that helped you in, in your decision-making process because you understood if I make a decision for, you know, program X and manpower, it's going to affect Y and Z and these other two and, and vice versa? A- absolutely. Uh, especially when, when, you know, you, you, um, you understand that the uh, most expensive uh, component of the Army 
uh, because the Army is people, is HR. It's our resources, it's our soldiers, our civilians, uh, and our contract workforce. Um, and so, uh, again, as I moved up in, uh, particularly in, in force management and then having been in resource and work program and budget side, understanding that um, as we talk about these three components of manpower, you know, soldiers, civilians, and contractors, and we start talking about the capabilities that we want uh, in, in our Army, that there's a lot of trade-off analysis across these different groups, and they all come with different, different cost factors. Um, and so uh, having moved uh, across HR, uh, doing program budget, manpower, and uh, also personnel, um, it helped me really tie these together. Um, and it's nothing that's really u unique to just me. Um, I can absolutely say that over the last, I would say, five to seven years, um, I've seen those communities work much closer together. Um, you know, prior to that, we were very stovepiped. Um, and manpower folks didn't talk to personnelists, um, and personnelists didn't talk to finance folks. But over the last five to seven years, um, I've really seen these communities come together uh, to solve some of the complex challenges that we have in the Army, and they work much closer together. Uh, and there's a lot more collaboration across, uh, across those functional communities. Well, everyone, that's all we have time for right now. Our conversation with Mr. Ronowitz will continue on Friday. And until then, have a great Army Day.